If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Novice Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Marr. Today's episode 118, and we're going to be interviewing Joseph W. How you doing, Joe? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Happy to be doing this right now. I had a good chat beforehand. Yes, yeah, same. All right. So let's dive in and get started here. And tell me about your childhood and growing up. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel that I've had a pretty basic or traditional childhood. Um, um, you know, I was I was born in 88. So around that time is when video games started coming out. I, I was a huge gamer. Um through most of my life uh and um but i guess i'm i'm skipping a little bit um but uh our family we moved around uh quite a bit we lived in i think five different states um and then that kind of brings up the video game thing because uh for me i think because of the move-in and um the isolating behavior um i've been a loner for most of my childhood uh and most of my life too and um you know, I think that's definitely contributed to my addiction, but, you know, of course, I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but I mean, our parents, um, I have a, a younger sibling and our parents provided us with everything. I mean, there was no, uh, any sort of abuse or anything like that, or, uh, you know, they supported us through, um, whatever endeavors that we want to, uh, do, whether it was soccer or karate. Um, so pretty, um, traditional in that sense, um but yeah I just I, I never really had too many friends growing up um I mean the occasional uh kid here or there but um it's just so hard to to connect and and you know get roots growing um with childhood friends when you know you live there for four six years and then move to a different state so that that made things a little difficult but um but yeah my childhood was was pretty good for the most part <laughs> That's good. Do you have any um, any memories of anything that was showing signs of addiction? Was it just the gaming? Was that would, would you consider that a sign of your addiction to come? Um, I I would say yes, most likely. And um, you know, I'm actually glad that you asked that, Jim. Um, because uh, when I was in first grade, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD, um, and uh, as a result, they put me on medication. Uh, they had put me on uh, Ritalin. Uh, which I'm sure you're aware of as uh, a pretty strong stimulant. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do have faint memories of kind of getting, I, I guess, high essentially, you know, or at least feeling those effects. And then uh, also having some from the effects uh, from the medicine. Yeah. Um, okay. And then having some effects similar to a come down uh, later in the evening when uh, I, I would assume it when it started wearing off, um, I'd get very restless. So uh, the games definitely addicted in of themselves, but um, I guess I was exposed to kind of substances at a young age as well with the, with the Ritalin. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal for such a young kid. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Strong stuff. It is. It absolutely is. 
do you think that is something that you needed back then? Um, yeah, honestly, I, I guess it's hard to say, um, especially, um, I'm really bad sometimes getting stuck in the what ifs. So I try not to think about that stuff like that too much, but it's really hard to say. I, I think it was ultimately for the best, um, you know, cause I, I did do pretty well in school and I, I don't think I would have been able to do that um, if I wasn't medicated. Um, but again, I mean, there's uh, a million other what ifs, you know, maybe I would have done better in school or maybe I would have, you know, made more friends. Um, but I, I think my parents made the right decision uh, at the time to uh, get me on medication because uh, I can say for sure I definitely excelled in school. So that, you know, at least it didn't really um, mess up my childhood that much, I should say. When you say that much, what, what, what would you consider the negative things? Because obviously, like you said, there's some positive things that came along with it also. Um, I guess the, the, the two negatives is kind of, uh, that young introduction or that early introduction to, to substances. And, you know, I know it was, uh, under the purpose of, of medicating for treating, uh, you know, mental illness, but, uh, still, you know, it's, it's a pretty powerful substance. And, uh, you know, I think that might've played into, um, my desire and tendency to, uh, want to alter my consciousness uh, later in my life. Uh, so I would say that's the first thing. I mean, the second thing, um, like I said, is just kind of that coming down. I would get really depressed in the evenings. Uh, when I kind of came down off the medication, I would just pace around my house for most of the evening. Um, I wouldn't say I had direct suicidal thoughts, but just thought a lot about death um, and just, just a lot of uh, apathy and anhedonia just just yeah really just bombing out the end so um so but I guess for them like besides those two things I wouldn't say it's you know screwed up my life or uh childhood or really altered it significantly but I, I do think those two things have weren't the best things I guess <laughs> okay fair enough so what was school like how'd you do in school um school was um was pretty good it's really hard to say um I'm trying to trying to think. It's really hard to say how my exact like the specifics before high school, um, but you know I I believe I was on honor roll for uh, many of the uh, years. Uh, you know from like first grade to um, all through middle school. Um, I'm trying to think if I won any other awards or any you know accomplishments. Um, nothing comes to mind. I you know so I kind of did. And I'm like this to this day, but I kind of did the bare minimum. <laughs> you know, I wasn't much of an overachiever is I would just go to school, um, you know, do the assignments, take the test, and then that's, that's it. And, um, you know, fortunately, I have a pretty um, decent ability to pick up on things pretty quickly. So um, for me, you know, just being in the classroom and, and listening and uh, to the teacher talk and uh, just visually seeing the materials or whatever the case was uh I was enough usually enough to help me um do pretty well in school um and I did well in school up until about uh 11th and 12th grade uh which is when I started getting into substances um but other than those uh two years I mean um mostly A's and, and maybe like a few B's but never uh nothing below a B um that's great 
Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. And I'm trying to think too, like that's, that's all that really comes to mind. Uh, I, I will say I hated and I still hate uh, writing papers, but um, other than that, I mean, uh, yeah, school was, was pretty, pretty good for me. That's good. So you had a good group of friends? Um, there's a few kids that come to mind, but you know, one thing I missed out on uh, in my childhood was having that friend from like you know being in in high school and having that friend or those friends from like first grade um you know because we moved uh states so much uh and uh, it was really hard to get a good especially as i got older um you know people had already formed their kind of um cliques and and social groups uh so it was much more difficult much more difficult to get into that um, and especially as time went on, you know, kids were developing uh, their social skills, whereas with me, I was mostly um, isolated, uh, quite a bit of a loner, so I didn't really work on my social skills. So that, I think it was a combination of a little bit of all of that, which made it more difficult to make and maintain friends as I'd gotten older. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's a few faint images or um, people that come to mind, but it's like, I can't even put... Um, a name on them or any specifics, but I just remember as a as a kid, at least playing with some of the other kids and having some sort of friendship. But um, I don't think I've ever really had a uh, really close, uh, strong friends that you know I had a long history with um, because of the games and, and moving around so much. That must suck for your child move around so much like that. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, yeah. I mean, but. Um, and I guess I, I always get asked, um, you know, what was your family in the military and, and no, um, but my dad, we did move around a lot because of uh, his line of work. He, he was into medical sales equipment, uh, medical equipment sales. And, uh, you know, he would just find better positions or better companies to work with and it would move us around. Um, but yeah, being bounced around like that definitely um, made it much more difficult to you know, be established. I, I guess it was kind of, at least the good thing is, is if you've ever done anything embarrassing as a kid, uh, you know, like maybe uh, pooped your pants or something in first grade, <laughs> you know, if you move, you know, people aren't going <laughs> to know about that. You don't have that, that history. So I guess, I guess that's a good thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> oh, we see the good in something, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so what was it like as you got older, like high school and graduation? I'm assuming you graduated because you said you were a good student. Um, yeah, so I did. Um, I did end up graduating high school. Um, I did uh, go to uh, a university afterward, but um, uh, junior year, starting to event senior, senior year especially, um, my grades really slipped. I mean, I got mostly C's and I think like a D in senior year. So uh, you're talking really, about still high school? High school, yeah. Okay, mm. okay. Um and so I was already accepted into the school. Um so I definitely had some major senioritis, but I I had been abusing cough syrup at that time too. And um so I just did not care at all uh for school or really have the uh, mental um faculties to do it. So I I because I've heard stories of people goofing around or not getting such good grades, uh, you know, their last few years of high school and their uh, university admission being um, 
revoked. Uh, so fortunately, that didn't happen. But yeah, the last two years of high school, I goofed off and I just did not excel as a student. Um, but I did, uh, I was kind of more, a little more social in my last few years in high school, um, finally starting to get out of that uh, introversion and, and stop being so much of a loner. Um, but uh, yeah, the last few years, I, I kind of scraped by. So that's not very good. Yeah. So you went to university afterwards. How is that? So uh, actually, real quick, at any point, were there any signs that you think you now see that was leading up to your addiction at those ages? Oh, that's really great. Uh, really great question. Um, no, not really. And if anything, um, you know, I stayed on the ADHD medication. Um, we've tried several medications um, up until high school and the very last one of them was Secretera. Um, and I was just like, you know, I don't want any more meds. Uh, so I stopped taking them and, you know, I was able to do fine. Um, and I know with Secretera especially, I mean, it's not a stimulant, like uh, it's not, you know, an amphetamine-like thing like Ritalin or Adderall is, but um, still, at least I didn't have a desire to take meds. Um, and then there's nothing that really pointed towards um, a desire to until I smoked uh, marijuana for the first time in, in junior year um, is when, you know, because like growing up with all the dare and everything like that, I mean, we're told, you know, drugs are horrible. And if you take one puff of marijuana, you're going to end up homeless, um, you know, obviously exaggerating a bit, but I did have a, a good amount of fear or just um, carefulness with using substances. I was pretty clean cut. Um, but then, yeah, junior year, I smoked weed for the first time and I was just like, dude, this is freaking awesome. Um, and then that's when things kind of went downhill. I started researching more into, you know, recreational drugs and I found out about uh, the cough syrup and, you know, started abusing that. So, uh, so kind of, there was nothing, you, nothing. What do you just drink a lot of cough syrup, I'm assuming? Um, yeah, well, I, it was mostly those, the syrup, but um, they did also sell gel caps. Um, hopefully you don't mind me talking about too much of this. I don't know if there's like trigger and stuff i'll um, talk about what you need to talk about uh but yeah i uh, i would either do syrup, use syrup or the cough gels um it's just plain old robitussin that you can buy in a grocery store um the, the chemical in there dextromethorphan um can be uh, a hallucinogenic um and uh, a pretty strong dissociative and um the first few times i did that after i had been smoking weed for like six months uh, I fell in love with that too, because it was just amazing that you can consume these substances uh, and alter your consciousness so much. Um, so yeah, so syrup and gel caps, whatever way I can get it. Um, and what's the, like the cheapest to buy and the easiest to get is usually what I uh, went for. Wow. Don't, what do they call that? Um, Robo-tripping? Is that it? Yeah, robo-tripping. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that term before, robo-tripping. So how was life after you graduated high school? What did you do with your life at that point? Um, so at that point, so, you know, after I'd been smoking weed for a little bit, I turned into a massive stoner. 
Um, I just had really low um, ambitions. And I'm not saying, I'm not blaming, blaming the marijuana. You know, it's definitely my actions. Um, but um, yeah, I just totally became a stoner. Um, I, so I did end up going to university. Um, but I, I really didn't do very well in university, like any of the years, um, because I just continued to smoke uh, marijuana. Um, I hadn't really been drinking too much at that point. I really didn't start drinking uh, consistently and eventually heavily until I turned 21, but smoked a ton of weed, smoked a ton of weed through university. Um, you know, I'd go to class, I'd go take, you know, an exam high, uh, high as hell and um, fortunately I was able to graduate I mean not with a great GPA but um, I did graduate but yeah I just dicked around so much in, in university uh, just so much weed and uh, I, I still did concert off and on during that time as well what did you do once you graduated well actually at any point when you were young did you think you had a problem or you were just still good to go and partying? Um, yeah, that's another really great question. Um, I, I honestly, uh, I, I know it's cliche, um, but I, I was uh, more of the functioning addict or functioning um, uh, alcoholic. Uh, so for me, I like my mindset for a long time was if I can still you know, work or go to school or both or, or just attend to whatever obligations um, I have in my life. Um, as long as that's not interfered with, you know, I don't have a problem. Um, and of course, you know, that's um, not quite accurate, but uh, I mean, I still knew I was probably doing more, um, you know, smoking more weed than I should have been doing, um, drinking or, you know, robo tripping a lot more than I should have been doing. So, so I did know it was kind of, it was definitely already in excess, but, um, I wouldn't say it was like a, I felt like it was immediately a problem. Uh, it's just something like, Hey, you know, maybe this isn't good for your brain or your body. Uh, you should probably stop or slow down, but, um, I never really made any active conceded efforts to, to do that. Cause like I said, that for me, it wasn't problematic at the time, or at least I didn't perceive it as problematic. So you continued on with that stuff after you graduated high school. What did you do with your life? Did you go out and get a job? Were you being just a stoner and sitting around your parents' house? What was the deal? <laughs> um, well, so surprisingly, um, um, I guess I, I, I'll try to leave out some specific details, but um, so I did graduate with a bachelor's of science in biology. Um, you know, I, I've always, I was always interested in medicine and, and science, um, but, um, you know, there's really not much you can do with an undergraduate degree in biology with a low ass GPA. I mean, it's not like I could have gone into medical school or anything like that. So um, I was just like, oh shit, what do I do now? Um, so I did eventually move back down um, to live with my parents again. And um, I was gonna go to school to become an x-ray tech, but I ended up um, uh, pursuing a, a degree in registered nursing. So um, I did three years of uh, additional school and then I um, graduated and became a registered nurse. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I've lost my license because of my substance use. But 
um, you know, that's something I can always try to pursue in the future. I just have to jump through a lot of hoops. But um, yeah, so like I, I mean, I was able to maintain pretty well, but yeah, I still pretty heavily used uh, substances. I mean, throughout pretty much my whole adult life. So what kind of gigs did you get as far as work? What kind of jobs? Um, so when I got into nursing school and for a while, um, you know, I had the, uh, a lot of TV shows like glamorize, uh, the emergency department, you know, fast paced action and, um, super cool. Uh, so that's kind of, that's what my intentions were, but then we had, um, a quarter that was in psychiatric behavioral, uh, health nursing. And, uh, I fell in love with it. I immediately fell in love with it. It was amazing. Um, and we were on the acute unit. So, um, people that would, you know, were just very ill, uh, whether it be with, um, you know, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, uh, having, um, delusions or hallucinations, just super agitated. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. So, um, when I graduated, I did, um, I spent my three and a half years, um, of nursing mostly in, in a behavioral health setting. And towards the very last bit, um, it was on a detox unit. Um, uh, so it's kind of funny. It's, you know, I, cause I, I struggled, struggled with mental illness and substance use for a lot of my life. And, you know, I, I was drawn to that. So I, I ended up working in that field uh, as well. Yeah, it's interesting how our brain works. So how did you like it? Um, I liked it for the most part. Um, I think after a while, it, it started, um, I wouldn't say, you know, it was like traumatic to the point of like PTSD, but um, I had experienced and witnessed a lot of terrible things. Um, and uh, I, I've always worked on the acute units. Um, so, you know, I've had to put people, uh, of course, not just by myself, but with the whole team, um, put patients into four point restraints or two point restraints, um, <clears throat> give them intramuscular injections if they wouldn't take the oral medication. Um, I've seen blood, um, feces, I mean, urine, I, just, a, it, it just started to wear me down after a while. Um, you know, burnout is a pretty serious thing in nursing in general, but especially psychiatric, um, and uh, so it started, like, I really enjoyed it, but there's a while after or kind of into it where I wasn't hating it, but I wasn't enjoying it as much. Uh, and it was causing me a considerable amount of anxiety. And then so I self-medicated um, uh, with substance use. And then my drug of choice, at least for um, doing the self-medication was uh, nitrous oxide laughing gas. Um, Cause that for me helped the most. Uh, but that's what, that's the one thing that led to the most um, problems uh, in my life over the past, like three years or so now. Was it something that you can only access at work or are you able, uh, have, like the laughing gas, is there like a way of taking some home with you? Like, I don't know how that works. Um, so um, in most hospitals or facilities, they, they don't have laughing gas. I mean, um, I guess, you know, in the operating room, they probably do, um, at a dentist's office, they do, but, um, I, I can at least proudly state one thing I'm really happy about with myself, because, you know, I've done some really shitty things, um, uh, but 
I've never stolen medications from work, whether that be from a uh, patient's own personal supply or, um, you know, just doing my med pass and, and being like, oh, out of hand, you know, I'm gonna take this for myself. Um, because I mean, I've had all sorts of narcotics. Uh, I can't even recall the amount of stuff I've touched. I mean, that's gone through my hands, all sorts of benzos and stuff. So I had access to medications. Um, and that does happen sometimes with uh, nurses is that they will divert meds, but uh, I never did. Um, I got my um, laughing gas. You can find it in a lot of different places, um, you know, a smoke shop or a head shop. Um, you can really? find it, buy it online. They sell it in sex shops, um, restaurant suppliers, or, uh, like where you go and buy, buy like bulk things like let's say you have a small coffee shop or something you can buy bulk things they sell nitrous oxide there because it's uh used uh in whipping cream um so yeah it's it's legal um you have to be 18 or older to buy it and of course i was well past 18 at that point and uh yeah it's yeah no one but bats an eye you know and i just uh, it got to a point where i was eventually just buying so much of it um i ended up um, experiencing psychosis. I had nerve damage to the point where I couldn't walk. I mean, it just totally screwed things up. Um, so yeah, so it's, and that's what the scary part is, is it's legal and it's just easily accessible. How long did it take before it messed you up? Was it after like, like how many years or months did it start to show your wear and tear? Um, well, I had been exposed to it and I've done it uh, even during nursing school, I hate to say it, but um, not as heavily as I eventually did, uh, kind of more off and on, um, because, you know, for me, it was a good way to escape reality and, you know, my problems instead of confronting them head on, and the uh, afterglow that it, you know, session of doing nitrous, uh, the afterglow of uh, reducing anxiety and depression, you know, up to days or even a few weeks after um, use that, um, definitely drove a lot of the use, but um, it wasn't until August of 2019 is when I started abusing it pretty much daily. And um, um, and sometimes even multiple times a day, um, I was buying pretty large quantities. Um, and at that point is when it really became problematic because um, even you know if it had been a few days after my use, um, I was still um, in a elevated, um, mood like a, a manic state um and eventually that mania progressed to psychosis and um you know led to some bizarre behaviors and that's the reason why um i lost my job and then was reported to the board of nursing um and i just abused heavier and heavier amounts i mean i was doing um a thousand or more cartridges a day every day um what, and what kind, real quick what kind of bizarre behaviors did you do um well a lot of it was paranoia um, and, um, so I just, and I guess one thing I couldn't wrap my head around how it was possible to do so much and still be alive. So I had a lot of like, um, delusions that I was like in between like life and death or like I was in this extra dimension and the paranoia came in because I thought people wanted to kidnap me because I knew like some secret information. Um, it, yeah. And like taping up my, um, the cameras and microphones on my on my cell phones i mean just stuff like that i'm trying to think of other specifics but it's like it, it's just so bizarre it's like 
um, you know, it just, it, I, it's like my mind just doesn't want to remember, you know, all the uh, madness I went through, but stuff like that. A lot of it was paranoia uh, driven. So how did you come to realize that that wasn't actually happening? Like if you had paranoia about, okay, someone's coming to get me, how did it happen where you realized nobody was coming to get you? Did the nurses or someone have to kind of come in and smack you back into reality? <laughs> Um, no, well, um, oh, there's just, so, there's so much to, um, talk about with the experiences. Um, what I will say is, uh, to backtrack a little bit. So, um, December 18th of 2019 is when I lost my nursing job. I was put on a leave of absence, but it eventually led to me being fired. And, um, a week after that on Christmas day, um, I had finished the amount of nitrous I bought earlier in the day and um, I went um, out to the store to go get more. Well, um, I was coming up on an intersection and I, it was turning yellow. Um, and, you know, another example of the paranoia, I didn't want to stop because I thought if I stopped, I would be dragged down my car and kidnapped. So I sped through it. Um, and I, I'm so fortunate to this day. I'm so glad that um, no one was killed or, or, or really injured. Um, I almost hit two cop cars uh, going through the intersection. And um, immediately afterwards, instead of just pulling to the side of the road and you know, letting them come and be like, you know, hey, sorry about that. Um, that kind of fed more into the paranoia. So I drove down to, I just kept, I sped down to the head shop and uh, rushed inside. Um, I didn't say a single word to them, to the officers, because they finally caught up and, you know, were like, what the hell? Um, and because um, uh, I thought if I talked to them, they would steal my voice or something like that. And uh, uh, they eventually, um, I, I wasn't actively fighting them. I didn't punch them, but I wasn't cooperating with being detained. Um, so they did tase me about four or five times. Um, event, eventually dogpiled me, which broke four of my ribs. Um, but I'm bringing that up because even after that, I was I was booked that evening and then released on my own uh, recognizance. Um, you would think like that would probably be a good rock bottom, you know, losing your job and, and being arrested. Um, but no, I just I kept saying, what did you, what was the actual thing you lost your job over? I don't think. Um, ju just because the, the behaviors, like I wasn't doing a lot of my charting. Um, I had uh, a patient that we admitted uh, and we have these admission packets and where we ask him about, you know, their uh, history um, with psychiatric illness or meds and stuff like that. And I, I, just because of my paranoia, I, I can't really think of any specifics, but I was just too paranoid to even like chart. So, um, uh, so that's when, you know, coworkers reported to the director of nursing, like, hey, you know, Joe, he's not acting himself uh, and they brought me to the office and I was honest with them what I had been uh, doing um, and they did a, um, a four cause drug test too and with nursing you're not supposed to consume like uh, marijuana uh, even you know if you live in a state that <clears throat> it's legal so uh, I knew I was screwed anyways I was going to test positive for THC um, so there's a few different reasons why I lost my job but kind of uh, for the positive drug test and, and the bizarre behavior. Gotcha. So back to the bizarre behavior. Um, how do you come to recognize something like that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're asking me. Um, 
Um, so, so just really quick, the, so I just kept using it daily and uh, there was no one that either was able, like willing to or able to snap me into reality. I wasn't hospitalized at all. Um, I think it was when I um, visited my parents and came back and uh, when the nerve damage came on uh, where I, I, I couldn't walk, I couldn't stand or walk. Um, and I had to crawl around my apartment. That's when my use started to slow down um, because I can only order so much. Um, I mean, you could even order the stuff through Postmates and have it delivered to your house. And I was starting to run out of money. So that's when eventually, um, fortunately, the psychosis and paranoia was not permanent. Um, you know, after several weeks of abstinence, um, I finally came back to reality. Um, and to more directly answer your question, I mean, during the whole time, I, I had some idea that my thinking and behaviors were probably not reality oriented. Uh, you know, there's no logical reason to be thinking that or, or doing those things. But at the same time, it's, it's difficult when it feels so real. I mean, that changes your whole perception that, you know, stuff becomes your reality. Um, so it's just hard to discern what's real and what's not. Um, until you finally come down from that psychosis and then you look back you're like okay yeah no that was that was total craziness um so so it wasn't like any hospitalization or medication it was just um abstaining for several weeks is when i the psychosis um you know went away um so yeah so i, I kind of knew i was crazy the whole time but it was just hard not to act on it because of just how my brain was affected during that time you know yeah so what was life like as far as outside of the drugs? Did you have a job? Were you able to hold it? Did you have a girlfriend or boyfriend? How was life while using? Um, mostly normal. Um, you know, I, I've never really been much of a romantic type. And I guess that plays into the introverse, uh, introversion and being a loner. Um, I never, I've had just very uh, like a few short-term girlfriends. Um, so that wasn't really my cup of tea. Um, I only had a, a few close or close-ish friends in my life that would kind of rotate, um, you know, so I never had a big social circle or like really had strong connections to them. It was just a few people in my life that, you know, kind of came and went uh, intermittently. Um, but um, I mean, I was able to, um, I mean, both work and go to school uh, with nursing school. Um, I was working full time. I was working like 40 to 45 hours a week and uh, doing all the nursing school. And uh, I mean, not to be conceited, I didn't think it was that difficult. But there's some people that are like, I, I, I guess I'm kind of recalling what I said earlier. Fortunately, I pick up on things relatively quickly. So for me, nursing school wasn't too, too bad. But, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, will advocate not working during nursing school if you can avoid it. Um, so I was able to do, um, and it, you know, I know it doesn't make me special, but I was able to do that and, and hold things together for the most part. Um, and then once I graduated nursing school, I worked for, you know, about three and a half years uh, consistently um, until the psychosis happened. Uh, I lost my job and I lost my uh, nursing license. So, so I kept mostly to myself. Um, both in terms of friendships and relationships. And, um, but I was able to, to kind of get shit done um, until I went crazy. So let's talk about that. What do you mean when you went crazy? Let, <laughs> let's explore that a little bit. 
um all right well yeah um so yeah that was like um around august september of 2019 um where again um you know i had scared away pretty much all of my the few friends i had um and i've only really been close to my parents uh, in terms of family uh and they've stuck through me uh, stuck with me through uh thick and thin um i love them to death they're fantastic um parents but um but yeah i i scared off uh you know the the few friendships i had and then i lost the job because uh, again just that paranoia and that delusional thinking um I, again it's just so hard it's just some of the stuff was so bizarre i can't even recall it um but i do know a lot of it was fear-based a lot of it was that paranoia and just worried about um getting kidnapped or stolen um and um just like being in this just weird place like it was like I was in my own reality that was um you know in between like life and death um yeah I don't know it's I I wish I could do it more justice but it's really hard to uh, elaborate on the craziness but I I guess I can't say um you know just losing touch with most of this reality um my perceptions were just so altered uh and my grip of reality was was so loose um it was hard to to get things to do things um and then you know once i lost my job and was arrested and I lost my friendships um there was especially no one to hold no one or nothing to hold me accountable and that's why i just continued to use uh abuse it so much until um, the only thing I hate to say that really stopped me was just the, the lack of money um, from not working for several months and, and spending thousands of dollars on it. Um, that's really the only thing that um, eventually st- had me stop the uh, nitrous use. I mean, I, you know, lost that psychosis and paranoia and I finally kind of knew what was real and, you know, what I had experienced wasn't and it's I guess it's hard because even to this day I still wonder uh is you know I just don't understand how it's humanly possible to consume that much uh I mean I should be dead 10 times over and um so I guess what I'm saying is the things that I've experienced I wouldn't say are definitely real but I can't say that they were 100% not real if that makes any sense I guess so yeah, I mean, talking about doing things and not realizing how you even survive. Like, I never, re- for some reason, it never just struck me as terrible, but I used to take Adderall and crush it, and also with Klonopin. Oh. And I mixed those together while drinking. Ooh. Plus, plus I was on other antipsychotic medita- medication because I'm bipolar. So I'm taking all these meds, I'm taking everything extra, I'm drinking. Going, it was just insane. I'm surprised. I remember there were times where my chest out of nowhere felt like there was an elephant stepping on me. And I think those were times I probably came close to relapsing, but made it through. Oh, I'm sorry, um, o- overdosing and made it through. Like, yeah, it was bad sometimes, but I made it through. Thank God I'm alive. Yeah, no, same. And um, yeah, so you can, you, I'm sure you've had some run-ins with mania um and so you yeah. you kind of know what it's like you know even even before it gets to the point of psychosis at least for me just that feeling of invincibility that euphoria yep. and just that energy you know yep. i could do anything mm-hmm. um so yeah you can totally uh that's how it started off and then as i continued using it it went 
into crazy mode. Um, but there was a period where I was manic for a while as well. <clears throat> yeah, no, I've, I've went into crazy mode also. I just have never landed myself in a psych ward. Not yet. Let's just say not yet. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, unfortunately, I've seen, um, I've been a patient. I was going to say, I've seen um, the insides of, of many, but that's because I've worked in some. But yeah, I, I have had uh, a few hospitalizations um, um, fortunately not for psychosis, but for, um, well, I guess it's not like it's any better, but, uh, for suicidal ideation or, um, you know, like preparing to, um, attempt suicide. Um, I've, I have had some, uh, a few hospitalizations for that, but, um, nothing due to, you know, the, the mania or psychosis because, um, you know, I, I, I was just so paranoid. I wasn't going to turn myself into the hospital, uh, you know, so, um, but with the, yeah, suicidal stuff, uh, you know, I, that was just friends being concerned and, you know, calling the cops and them taking me to the emergency department. So, oh, really? so yeah, I've been inside of a few of those. It's not very fun. Yeah. I was going to say, who, how'd you get there? Um, yeah, just, um, well, the first time I had, I had overdosed, um, I mean, I've been um, a poly substance abuser for most of my adult life as well. So it wasn't just one substance. Um, but um, the, for the first hospitalization, I um, had consumed, I don't know, some sort of research benzo, um, a ton of alcohol, um, cough syrup, and I've even been doing some nitrous because I um, had to withdraw from the nursing school, a quarter of nursing school because my grades were so abysmal. And um, I, I had no intention. I, I, I did not want to be alive. And I mean, overdose is tricky because it's, I mean, it's not, I guess it's the fatality rate isn't as high as, you know, hanging yourself or something like that, not to be too morbid, but so I kind of knew that I wasn't probably going to kill me, but either way, I was at that point where I just wanted to die. And um, so, yeah, my friend came over, um, took me to the emergency department. Um, I was blacked out due to all this. And, and most likely because it was the, you know, what the uh, research benzo. I mean, I've had a lot of amnesia with different benzos, but um, I wasn't cooperative, so they ended up putting me on an uh, involuntary hold, uh, and I was uh, uh, in the hospital for about a week. Um, but then the um, other um, two times that I've been in, uh, it was voluntary, um, and, and it wasn't so much uh, an attempt or pre preparation. It was more just kind of, hey, I, I want to kill myself, but you know, um, and and you know, when people hear that. Um, Sometimes I wouldn't say I shouldn't say they freak out, but you know it's it's a pretty serious thing. And then so, you know, nine one one gets called. Events just like, hey, let's just bring you down to the emergency department. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, those have been my experiences with you know why I've gone into um, a psych unit. Once you're in the psych unit, did you ever have a point where you ever said, you know what, I belong here? Was there ever a point where you thought you needed to get your life in a certain direction? Um, yeah, um, I would say probably the prereqs for nursing schools when I started to realize I had I had a pretty serious problem with substance use and mental health as well. Um, and every time I've been hospitalized, I guess I can't say for the first time with the uh, attempt because I was blacked out. Um, but I, I would assume I wasn't 
going to admit I had a problem, but in the other time, yeah, it's like, I definitely need to be here uh, on the psych unit. Um, and, um, but it wasn't until um, my um, arrest <clears throat> on Christmas day that I eventually started seeking out uh, substance uh, treatment, um, you know, like uh, intensive outpatients, um, because I, I had been um, gotten accepted into mental health court, um, which means that <clears throat> if you go to treatment and you, you do everything you're supposed to do, uh, those charges will eventually be dismissed. Um, and unfortunately, I kept relapsing and I was terminated from mental health court. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I knew I had a problem, but it wasn't until the past few years is when I had actually started receiving help for my substance use. What took you so long to seek that help? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I would say embarrassment, um, stubbornness. Um, and, you know, I wasn't happy in my life, but I was able to, you know, again, function enough to, to work as a nurse or whatever. So um, I, I guess, I don't know, I, for the time being, I, I thought living that double life was better than kind of um because now you know being an active recovery um you know that's part of my identity now you know that's just part of who i am but uh you know when i was working as a nurse you know i was you know one part substance abuser and one part you know nurse or does separate lives so i guess to seek treatment would be to maybe merge those a little bit too much together um i mean because i i've always I wouldn't say I've always been 100% transparent, but I've been pretty upfront with a lot of my experiences and struggles with substance use and mental health. But, um, but yeah, I, I guess I just, there's a lot of reasons why I just didn't formally seek out treatment myself until I was essentially man, shouldn't say mandated. Uh, that's a strong word, but you know, part of the requirements for mental health court is then when I um, sought out substance treatment, but I've been doing mental health treatment off and on for, you know, the past eight years or so. So, so I have, I, I guess I was more accepting of help for my mental illness um, <clears throat> and less accepting of um, treatment for my substance use, um, even though, of course, they play off each other with the dual diagnosis. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's kind of why I didn't seek out treatment for a long time for substance. How long have you been sober now? Um, I've been clean since March 30th of uh, this year. Um, so not, yeah, thank you. So not a huge stretch of time, but um, this is the longest I've been sober um, since, uh, it's so hard to say, like probably around 20, 21 years old. Um, so yeah. it's, so this is, completely foreign to me but um i've really been loving it um i live in a how old are you right now um i'm 33 years old okay um and uh, i'm i currently live in a shared sober living house uh and that is it, it's a miracle i'm so glad to be here uh get along with all the guys <clears throat> it's nice to have that environment to help hold me accountable because that's my problem is that accountability um <clears throat> So yeah, so I've been clean since March 30th. Um, so I'm just, I'm still a little baby in recovery, but uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to 
hitting those milestones um, down the road. That's great. So what is life like for you now? Uh, well, life for me now is a lot more satisfying, uh, a lot more fulfilling. That's one thing that I really struggled with most of my life. And I think that's a big reason why I turned to substance use uh, was I, I was just so unsatisfied in life and just, uh, I didn't, I felt, felt I didn't have purpose. You know, yes, I was working as a nurse and I know, you know, nurses are supposed to be caregivers or like, what a great profession or, but it's like, yeah, but it's like, I didn't identify with, with that. It was just, for me, it was just a job. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed working with patients, but um, for me, it was just like a nine to five and it was just the same thing day in and day out, you know, go to work, come home, get fucked up sleep uh go to work come home get fucked up um so i never really had purpose but i i haven't been employed since i lost my job i hate to say I, i've been unemployed for about two and a half years now um but I, i've i've been trying to get myself more involved online um in recovery stuff uh you know i did start a blog i have uh, a youtube channel so i like to post i treat um, the blog and the YouTube channel is essentially an online journal. Um, <clears throat> so that way, because it helps me, um, I've always found journaling to be a pretty good coping skill. Um, but if I had a, a, a notebook in my bedroom, I, I wouldn't consistently um, stay active in it. Uh, whereas having it online um, kind of holds me more accountable to it. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully others can see it and, you know, maybe help them which is why, you know, I really appreciate you having me on here. That's awesome. You're doing um, all of this. Um, so yeah, I've been involved in that. I've, I've been re uh, volunteering uh, a few days a week at uh, a local recovery cafe and just kind of get myself more involved in the recovery community. Um, my goal is to um, do peer support training. Um, I have done some recovery coach training, so I would like to work as a recovery coach and or peer support. Um, and just kind of use my experiences and, you know, what I know um, to help others, uh, you know, because addiction and, and mental illness are just terrible things, you know, and uh, it, it's just, it's a tough, I'd like to help people through their tough times, like people have helped me through my tough times, you know. Uh, so yeah, so life, life has been really great. I, I know some people complain that sobriety is boring. Uh, or whatever, uh, not exciting, but I think it's only boring if you make it boring, you know, um, just because you don't anymore doesn't mean you can't live a fun life. Uh, you know, if anything, I have, I've had more fun than um, I would just sitting at home getting drunk uh, all day long, you know, playing um, volleyball games with the people in the recovery community or kickball games. So um, yeah, my life is, 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 has been way better not easy, you know, and it's, it's not something that's ever, you know, with recovery, that's something I need to work on every day. Uh, you know, it's not going to be cured. And it's like, I don't have to, you know, work on my recovery anymore. It's something I have to consistently do. So I, I know there's going to be challenges, but it's just nice to feel more of as a person uh, with, with purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you, is do you have any advice for people watching listening? Um, I'd say the thing that uh, took me, I, 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 I've heard it and I knew about it, 
But the, the thing that took me a long time to accept is the need for connection. Um, um, it doesn't have to even necessarily be connection to other people in recovery, but to have a, a strong uh, social support. Um, you know, I encourage your viewers, I mean, uh, to check out the Rat Park um, experiment. That's a pretty cool experiment that uh, with substance use and socialization in rats. Uh, Johan Hari has a great TED talk where he says uh, sobriety is not the opposite of addiction, it is connection or, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, just, you know, lean on people. Um, it's, it's okay to ask for help and, you know, you might not be able to be upfront and honest with your addiction uh, or struggles with everyone, but, you know, try and find those people that can help you um, because, you know, when I'm having a tough day, sometimes it's nice to, to give a friend a call that knows what I've been going through. Um, or if you have a sponsor or something like that uh, to go to meetings. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my word of advice is just work on that connection. It's, it's, for me, it's been much more difficult to be successful in recovery by myself. You know, it helps to have people around you that can support you. Yeah. And I forgot to ask you this earlier for what you do. Do you have a website? Uh, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. what, what, what is it? Let's uh, give you, give me a sales pitch. Uh, well, it's, it's just a blog for right now. And, uh, um, it's, uh, www, um, confessions from a dangerous mind.com. Um, it kind of inspired for two reasons, uh, around the time where I had been becoming psychotic, uh, and delusions, uh, I was having ideas of reference, which I thought, uh, which is when you think, um, songs or certain things have a secret message for you. So I was listening to Logic's album, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, um, and just like doing a lot of nitrous to that and just going crazy. And, you know, I had that grandiosity and that paranoia that I had some special knowledge from, you know, a different realm or some shit, which is why people wanted to kidnap me. So that's where I came up with the Confessions from a Dangerous Mind, because, uh, you know, I had this secret knowledge and also just inspired by that um, rap album but yeah it's just uh, I haven't posted in a while because I've been sick but um, I just post uh, talk about my addiction my recovery and just whatever's on my mind um, and same with the YouTube videos um, you know I just whatever comes to mind it's, it's just nice to to talk about my experiences and you know hopefully I mean it's mostly for myself but uh, hopefully you know some people can see it and uh, have help them you know whether it's like uh, inspiration or it's like okay let's not do a bunch of nitrous and go crazy like that guy did um yeah. you know something of that sort so yeah it's it's nothing big it's just uh it's just kind of yeah a little bit of journaling essentially no it's good you do something like that it's good like you said to get it out and by getting it out of your system it helps you but at the same time it's gonna one day help somebody else when they read it bound to happen Yes, that's the hope. <laughs> yeah, that's the hope. That's all we all do. That's all I do is, you know, reach out to as many people as we could. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So did you have anything else you wanted to add or throw in? Um, I'm just thankful to be alive. I'm just thankful to be in recovery. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for people like you that, um, you know, are providing a voice. Um, for people in recovery um, because society is getting better at it. 
but I still feel that there's pretty strong stigma attached to addiction um, and mental illness, which um, is a shame because it can, you know, prevent some people from, from seeking treatment or reaching out and getting help from others. So um, I'm just grateful that you, you know, you doing this podcast and just other people speaking um, about addiction. Um, but, um, but no, yeah, I'm just thankful to be where I am in life. And, you know, I look forward to continuing um, down this path and um, yeah, just, uh, just one day at a time, right? <laughs> one day at a time. And being thankful is a good thing. It's good to have something to be thankful for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess that's it. We're going to wrap it up here. So for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you heard or saw, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe. You'll see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Hopefully, you can check out one of our Zoom meetings. We do them every night at 6.30 Eastern time. Go to our Facebook page to check that out. You'll find the Zoom information for uh, our Zoom meeting. And that's all I have for today. So until next time.